Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Make sure you download the app, the Veritas app, spread it, you know, so you have access to all of our station's content and share it with your friends. And if you like what Joe and I do, you can find us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you see us, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. Now, most of you out there know that when Joe and I, we've said before, when we started this show, it was with the encouragement of a Catholic priest, a good Catholic priest over in the Bronx. And he said, guys, you got to get out there. You got to, you got to start talking. You got to start spreading the faith. And primarily you got to, you got to talk to Catholic men. We got to, we got to raise the consciousness of Catholic men. We need to start being a force in America, a force to be reckoned with. And we are. And we are. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of guys out there just need to, you know, maybe have some information, see other Catholic men doing it. Well, our guest today, Paul George, has written a new book. It's called Holy Grit. And it's out from Ave Maria Press. And this is all about strengthening men. So we love it. So, Paul George, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Joe and Joe, great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on today. You're, you're welcome. I want to give Paul just a brief bio for anybody out there who's not familiar. Paul George is a husband and a father. His main objective is to love God, his wife, his children, and his neighbor the best that he can. He has spent the past 27 years helping people know and understand and live in the true and authentic freedom. And we'll get into that later on in the, in the conversation. Authentic freedom that they were, that they were created to live in. With this goal in mind, he has served in various capacities, including president of a nonprofit, author, full-time speaker, mentor, consultant, and coach. Paul holds an undergraduate degree in education and a master's degree in theological studies. He has spoken to over 2 million people worldwide and is the author of another book titled Rethink Happiness. Paul's personal and corporate mission is to love God and serve others. He is married to his college sweetheart, Gretchen, going on 26 years and they have five children together again. Paul, welcome. We're so we're so grateful that you decided to come on the show. Because as I said, Paul, I mean, we, I don't see that there is a crisis. I mean, some people could get a little bit more dramatic. Maybe there is. All right, I don't see a crisis in masculinity among Catholic men. I think a lot of times we're bogged down with a lot of things that men need to do. We got to provide for our our, our families. Uh, we have to we have to get out there. We have to go to work. Sometimes our time is stretched, but we do understand that there is a problem of information i think a lot of catholic men don't have the information that they need to really know truly what's going on out there and i think that's where we kind of fill in that gap a little bit joe with our podcast you you know writing true grit um talk about that a little bit where where do you see let's just start off with a prayer <clears throat> oh yeah yeah please let's start i'm sorry joe let's no start worries, off with no a prayer. Uh, name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. 
Oh, Mother, the word and corn, I despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us. Amen. Paul, have at it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a, a sense of um, crisis, but I, I everything's a crisis these days. Like everything's blown up into a crisis these days, you know, with media, social, social media, the whole, the whole thing, um, you know, and so like there's all this stuff going out there about masculinity, toxic masculinity, you know, it's all men's fault, all this stuff, you know, and you warned me, Joe. Before we got on the show, that you would try not to get me in trouble, but you couldn't make any promises. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, listen, we let we like to we like to push the envelope a little bit, but I, I guess when 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 you're on a topic like this, um, you're you're going to step into it no matter what. Um, you know, and again, like I said, we'll we'll get into it um, as we move along. I'm going to hand it over to Joe. Let's talk about the book itself. Let's talk about there's a number of saints that you know, um, and basically. Uh, from what I read and doing research for the interview, sometimes those, you know, saints affected you in certain ways, in unexpected ways. Saints have a way of doing that. Break that down for us a little bit, because saints are are the example. If you ask me, that's what America needs now. We need saints. And I think we're going to get them because God always brings saints out of difficult times. Talk about the saints that impacted you in doing research for this book. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, when I looked at the question, what is masculinity? I mean, we can answer that in so many different ways, and we can look at Scripture and Christ. But I think for men, we do need visual examples. Men need to see uh, what it looks like or what it means to be a man, to be masculine. I thought, what greater way to show that than the actual lives of male saints? Right. Like these were not mythical characters. They're not make believe they're, they're You know, this isn't like a fictional movie or, or a book. These are real men who lived real lives, who did real things. And in the course of their life, they figured out how um, to be godly and manly. The, those two things weren't separated in the different boxes. They coexisted in their life. And so to visualize that and see that in the other men, uh, I, I thought it was important for me to learn uh, more about uh, manliness and masculinity through the lenses of the saints than anything. Could you talk about a few of them, a couple saints that you like you, you, you discovered in writing this book? Yeah, I mean, the hardest part was like nailing down the 10. Each chapter highlights a male saint and how they merged what I call uh, grit and grace together. Uh, because God created men to be gritty, to be masculine. Like that, this is not something that we should be ashamed of or hide from. Like it's part of our DNA. But he also created us to be godly, to know, love, and serve him, right? I, I don't know about you guys, but like my struggle in life and most men is that we live in boxes. Uh, and, and so the whole idea of holy grit is, is to merge grit and God in our lives, you know? So looking through the lenses of the saints, the hardest thing, Joe, was to pick 10 because uh, there's some amazing men. Uh, and so each chapter, but there were some surprising saints that made the book that weren't on the first list um, of, uh, of men, that, saints that I had picked. Um, St. Thomas More made it. Uh, he wasn't on the first list. And the more I read about him, he was a, he was a married man, a father, a husband, and just the way he lived his life just really attracted me. And so I gave him a whole chapter. St. Louis Martin, um, who is uh, 
was married to Saint Zelly. Uh, he was another married saint who wasn't on the original list. That as I read about his simple life as a husband and father, he really learned a lot about masculinity. And so th those are a couple that I would say were surprise saints that made the book. Would I, Paul George is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasolo, Joe Racinolo. We are way in the breach. We're discussing his new book, Out from Ave Maria Press, Holy Grit. Let me, thought that came through my mind, Paul, is that uh, maybe some men out there might say to themselves, well, what, what, what is grit? Now, I'm going to give you my take, okay? Uh, it's not a textbook definition, but this is the way I see it. And this is based on some of the, the way you were just talking about some of the saints. That in, and you mentioned St. Thomas more. That in the face of adversity, okay, uh, or a crisis or, or some, some difficulties, you're able to stay firm. But you mentioned not just in a manly way, but in a godly way. Stay firm in the truth. Keep moving forward in the truth, even in the face of that adversity. And like and like a rhino, the the, the arrows bounce off you because they can't they can't penetrate because you're grounded in Christ, and you keep moving forward and you don't let the adversity get you down. Would that be a general idea of what grit? Can you add to that? Maybe maybe correct me a little bit. What do you think of that? No, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I mean, the grit is courage. I love the word. One of the definitions is to have moxie, uh, to be brave. I mean, everything about the definition of grit, if any man reads the definition of grit, every man would raise their hand and say, I want that to be me. You know, I want to face adversity. I want to have courage. I want to have moxie, toughness, discipline, all those things. But the reality is this, is that grit alone can't save us. It can't move us forward, right? Uh, we all know that as men. I mean, uh, we, we experience failures and shortcomings, our own sinfulness. And that's why the model of Christ in the desert uh, he showed such great grit of going in the desert for 40 days, fasting and prayer. And yet it was in that that he faced the enemy, Satan tempting him. And like you were talking about, Joe, like the arrows are just bouncing off of him because he is just focused on God, his faith, and allowing the grace just to protect him during that time. Let me, I'm going to hand it over to Joe. Quick follow up to that, Paul. I'm interested in this. Would you think that a man, needs grit or a certain level of grit first to become more godly does it would it not require a certain amount of grit to let's say give the assent of your will to say to jesus i believe in you i believe you are who you are and i want to follow you you see where i'm going with that you think you need to have that certain level of grit first then to say yes i believe and i'm going to live my life this way and then take it to that next more godly level well, grace and nature work together. So so God takes our masculinity and gives us the grace to say yes, right? Like, so the two go hand in hand. Grace and grit, are, are, they work together. God gives us grace to have grit, and God gives us grit to, to get access more grace, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense at all, well, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and so like, they, they, they can't be separated. And, and that's the whole idea you know, what I've found a lot, and I'll get to Joe in a second, is uh, even with men of faith, I'll, I'll talk to particularly like uh, young adult men, and they're like, hey, you, you grew up Catholic or in your faith, uh, and now you're no longer like into it and going to Mass regularly or you're not practicing. And, it, and they're like, yeah, I was like, well, what happened? And they're like, it just got really hard. And I was like, wait, that's it? Like, it got hard? Like, who told you that it was going to be easy? <laughs> and so there was a certain level of, like, a lack of grit that they had in their life. 
that when it came to even practicing their faith, they didn't have it. And so they're just like, ah, it's just hard. So I'm just going to quit. I'm going to do something else. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. I think, it, and I think that's where, you know, we come in where you come in with your book is that we could, we can encourage men, younger men to, to be aware of that grit that's already inside of them. And no, it, it's not too hard. Keep going. Joe Racinello. I want to take grit in a different direction. Uh, the virtue of perseverance, because as a dad, Catholic man, husband, dad, um, life is mundane. I mean, I have five kids like you, uh, Joe has a foster son. My life is, I don't go to a lot of places. I mean, I go to Lowe's, I go shopping, I go to church, I drop my kids off at school, I take the garbage out. Like, I cut the lawn. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's yep. a consistent thing. It's not like I'm not flying to Europe. I'm not, you know, doing this. I'm not going to fancy restaurants. I have no time for that. You know, yep. so grit to me, I think of it is doing those things day in, day out, day in, day out. No one's putting me on the cover of People magazine, like, like, and no one cares. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but people do notice. I notice, to be honest with you, when I get in my minivan and I go to church on Sunday, I know people are Catholic on my street. They don't go to church, some of them, but they see it. When we go up to receive communion in church, all five of us and my mother, they see it. This is the grit. And it's fueled through prayer and the sacraments. You talked about like when times get tough. I mean, doing those things, they're, that's hard because like, you know, no one's cheering you out across the street when you're taking the garbage out at 930 at night in, in your flip flops in the winter, yeah. you know, like, like, but you got to do it, but it's through prayer. Prayer grounds you. It gives you focus. It gives you grace. Talk about that, because to be honest with you, grinding it out is part of the deal. Yeah, I mean, we've all tried to to grit our way through things and realize that, you know, we can't save ourselves. Grit can't save us. And if And if our faith was easy, everyone would do it. You know, it does take a level of toughness and grit to practice our faith. But Joe, I think you said it great. Like we become saints in the ordinary of life. And that's the thing about these saints that I write about in the book is I, I highlight their ordinary life that they lived every day. They woke up as regular men living a regular life and they became disciplined in their life and in their prayer and in their faith. And it affected other areas of their life. They didn't become saints because they just did one good thing in one moment. They became saints because they did all the small things, all the difficult things along the way. That was the beauty of their life that I learned about. It wasn't just that Maximilian Kolbe gave his life for another man. It was all the things he did leading up to that moment that I was impressed by. I was like, what? I had no idea that he did all these things along the way. And of course, when it came time to sacrifice his life in that moment, God had prepared him the whole time in the small little ways. You know, ask anyone in my home, uh, how many people have read, how many of my kids read my books or listened to my talks? None of them. They don't care. They just want me to be a committed husband and father. They want me to show up every day. They want me to do the, the mundane, vanilla things. And that's where we grow in grace uh, as saints. And, of course, without that, without prayer, we can't do that. I Not think kids – I, Paul, I think kids notice when their parents are selfish. I really do. 
And what I mean by selfish is that not that you don't go out to dinner. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about uh, having having a dinner dinner date with your wife and having grandma come over and watch the kids. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real selfishness. And that's yeah. I, I'm sorry if that sounds judgmental, but we see so much of it out there uh, in the culture, Paul. So the idea of like you know uh, leaving aside just regular people that you're mentioning who are extraordinary, but like like Christ who empties himself and sacrifices himself, and like you said, goes into the desert for 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 for, for forty days. What? People don't want to sacrifice for forty minutes. And I'm yeah. a lazy guy. I'm raising my hand. Okay, I have my lazy moments. Don't get me wrong. But here's my question: Kids notice that. I believe. What do you think? Well, hundred percent. I mean, they, you know, their school of life is what they observe at home. You know, and, and we look at the culture, families are a mess, divorce rates are up, fathers are, uh, for the most part, um, in a lot of ways, aren't engaged in the family. Um, the latest statistic I heard is that I think it was, t there are 12 million single parent homes in the U.S. today, and 10 million of those are mother, single mother homes. And so, like, there, there's a crisis at hand, uh, you know, um, we, we know that. But authentic masculinity is about sacrifice. It's about giving of self. It's about putting others first. This is what Christ did. This is what the saints did. And, and yeah, it's not. It doesn't mean not taking care of myself. It doesn't mean I don't, you know, exercise and and have some joy in my life and some hobbies and some activities that bring life into into my own, you know, self. But it means putting others first and sacrifice. And yes, my wife and kids notice those things as they should, because a man is made to be the image of sacrifice like Christ was. Absolutely. Paul George is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, and we are discussing Holy Grit. It's this new book available at Ave Maria Press. Real quick, Paul, before I hand it over to Joe, uh, where else, uh, aside from the publisher, can folks buy the book? Easy. Uh, you Amazon, Holy Grit, or just go to holygrit.org. And uh, it'll put you to the site, and you can buy it right there on the site. Absolutely. Joe Racinello. I want to talk about two things that you said. Uh, first, the self-discipline, then sacrifice. We'll talk down the line. But you cannot – this is my statement. Whether you're Catholic or not, you cannot have a successful life unless you're self-disciplined. You can't. There's certain things that all successful people have, and that's one of them. The question is, how do you develop that? Our church gives us the model, Lent. If we take Lent seriously every year and don't just give up, I'm not talking beat yourself, but like you take it seriously, you will develop. This is, I'm speaking personally, um, I've always taken Lent very seriously. You develop self-discipline. You know when to put something down. You know when to do without something. And that's learned. You see, I think a lot of men, when they get married, they think they're just going to flip a switch and all of a sudden they're going to be like that guy. They're going to be like on TV, like my three sons, the father, the perfect dad. You know, like it doesn't work that way. I'm not a perfect dad. I'm going to be quite honest. I try my best. But my point is, you have to learn self-discipline. Like, like 
and that's over time. Talk about it because, like, I don't think and Lent is a good time. Exodus, uh, what's what's it? What's it? Exodus, Exodus ninety. That's a good way to get rid of bad things to to like really get on the track if you want to just like jump into the water cold. But like Lent is that time. Also during the week, I'll I'll just be share with you guys. You know, today's you know Wednesday. Um, I fast for the church every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, I fast for the church. I do a lot of complaining sometimes, Paul, so I got to do something. So I fast on Wednesday for the church. On Friday, I fast for Christ because he died on Friday. There's discipline. You learn in like in doing that. Len, talk about the growing of discipline to acquire it. It's, you don't just flip a switch. No, I mean, I think, you know, our tendency is towards laziness, self-indulgence. You know, as men, like, we can just continue on that route, and before we know it, we're lazy in all areas of our life, our marriage, our fatherhood, our work, and then maybe we just focus on one thing we're good at, and then that's where we feel competent. But God wants more for us, you know, and so the these disciplines, practice these aesthetical practices prepare us for the tough moments of our life, tough decisions, tough tough um, times in, in our marriage or fatherhood or work. You know, so if we're not working on discipline, when we get to difficult times, we're not prepared for it. We're not ready for it. And so fasting, prayer, almsgiving, like working on those practices, I always try to say is like you, 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 you do those during Lent so that you can continue some of those disciplines throughout the year, right? Like it, Lent should be like a, sort of like a... Uh, a preparation for your discipline life ahead, you know, uh, and, and that to me um, is is modeled through the saints and, and Christ. Like they they did hard things, and that's what I learned about all these saints is like they made they did hard things, and that was really uh, good to see because as men, I actually think we're more engaged when we do difficult things. I yeah yeah no I definitely agree with that. Um, let let me ask you this. You say like doing hard things. One of the hardest things to do is overcoming vice, okay? And there's a lot of it out there, right? A lot of it are guilty of it, right? I'm full, I've said on the show a million times, I lived 20 years of my adult life not exactly acting as a practicing Catholic, you know? So so overcoming vice is an extremely difficult thing. When the world and the devil get their hooks in you, watch out, brother, all right? Because you, you could be in a whole lot of trouble. Um, but now in the book, you offer advice about how to overcome, we talk about developing good habits, but overcoming the vice through the intercession of St. Augustine. Um, I'd be yep. interested in hearing more about that, Paul. Yeah, St. Augustine's, I, you know, like if you read about his life, I mean, he's one of the famous saints that made the book, but I thought it was important because he was a very masculine, manly man. He lived a lot of his life apart from God. So his conversion story, I think, relates to me and a lot of other men. Um, and I'm talking about the four B's, these vices that the enemy uses to really put those claws into us as men, as you, as you speak, uh, the ball field, uh, the boardroom, the bedroom, and the billfold. And we can redeem those things. We can redeem the bedroom, the billfold, the ball field, and the boardroom by being Christ in those moments. But the enemy uses those as backdrops to suck us in. To, to to get to for those to be vices, money to own us, 
our sexuality to to own us, uh, our ego and pride to own us, right? And so in the following chapter, I believe it's St. Ignatius, I'll talk about the battlefield being the fifth B. And it's the B where we come alive because guys are meant to fight the spiritual battle. We come alive when we face the enemy head on, when we practice disciplines, when we build spiritual muscles, we begin to come alive. You ask someone who who uh, goes through Lent, if they're better or worse after, they're like, man, I feel so much better. I, I'm, I feel clearer. I feel more focused. I feel more energetic. I feel closer to God. And that's important for us because when we aren't fighting the battle, we become lazy and slothful, and we're the worst versions of ourselves. At least I am. No, no. Hey, listen, I, I agree with you on that. And the, and the, one of the problems uh, is that we aren't we in the last in the last couple of minutes, Paul, before the break, we're kind of like in this culture war that we're in. All right, and it is. It, it, anybody thinks it's not a we know as Catholics, it's a spiritual battle in the more secular way of putting it, it is a culture war. We're fighting for the culture and what it's supposed to be. And anybody who thinks we're not in a culture war has their head in the sand or is willfully blind, who just doesn't want to see it, okay? But do you think that as men, I mean, I go through this, okay, all the time. I'm going to speak for myself. Every time you, you turn around, whether you're walking in the street, whether you turn on the TV, whether you put on the radio, there's something that's a trigger, there's something that's that's out there. It's we're so immersed in this that it's almost like it, it, to, to overcome it almost seems impossible. That, that, that I'm going to throw it out there. It almost seems like you got to shut off everything. All right, except being very very uh, choosy um, in social media and very very few, let's say, television programs. Maybe none. I don't know. Okay, we we just got to block it all out. We, we, we have to block it off because there's so, so much of it. Talk, talk about that a little bit, because I can't blame men sometimes for, 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 for getting overwhelmed, if you want to put it like that, Paul George. Yeah, and to go back to, to earlier and really kind of dig in a little bit more, this is where prayer and the sacraments are essential, because it allows us to shut off the rest of the world for a moment to speak to God, to read scripture, to engage in the sacramental life so that all the noise and all the all the lies are just kind of on the peripheral and, and we can find calm and peace uh, in our journey, right? Like without that, I don't know where we, like without prayer and the sacraments, like we are left out there to just in our headspace just to get devoured, you know? And so without that focus of prayer, I, I can't say no to the temptations. I can't turn off the social media. I can't like, I don't know which, which is true and what's a lie. And so like, it's extremely important for us as men to be focused in prayer and the sacraments. You mentioned, you mentioned devoured. It reminds me of the line that, that, that I believe it was Peter. And, and, and also what you said about being focused, he said, be sober, be vigilant because your enemy is a lion roaring around looking to devour souls. You know, the yeah. sober and vigilant part are pretty important. Full disclosure, I drink, okay? I, 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 like having a, I like having a glass of wine. I like having a glass of scotch, okay? That, but be sober, be vigilant, okay? Because, yes, the, 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 the enemy is looking to 
devour you, particularly men. I prayed. We're going to go to a break in a minute, Paul. When I got here to Arizona, right, uh, Jesse Romero uh, was uh, organized a rally down here in front of the Cigarro Hotel um, because the Satanists were having a conference, just like they recently did it in Boston, okay? And there were so many Catholic men there. And there were Catholic women, too. Don't get me wrong. But there were so many Catholic men. There was three hours, three days in a row, right, uh, praying in front of this hotel. And, and I remember saying, Jesse said, hey, you want to talk to the talk to the guys a little bit? And I remember saying, this is what the enemy can't stand. This is his biggest fear. Catholic men acting, acting like Catholics. One minute, Paul, before the break, talk about act, Catholic men acting like Catholics, strong Catholic men. Well, I mean, this is the attack on their culture. Where do they? Where does the first thing they go? The first place, men. If we can, if we can clip men's legs out from under them, the culture's lost, right? If men aren't engaged as husbands and fathers and building faith and building culture, then they have the whole culture war won. And and that's the thing. Like men are, are have to engage in, in this, and, and that's beautiful to see that that men are engaging. They're they're finding their authentic life in Christ. And without that, but this, like, where's the culture going to attack first? Men. Well, that well, that's why I'm glad you wrote your book, Holy Grit, available at Ave Maria Press. The author's with us today at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Paul George, please go out and buy the book. Try not to buy it from Amazon if you could avoid it. Go to the publisher Ave Maria Press so we could support our Catholic publishers and HolyGrit.org. Correct, Paul? HolyGrit.org. Yep. All right. Cool. That's right. All right, so uh, like I said, you're with the front line with Joe and Joe. We have another great segment with Paul George. A lot, a lot of, a lot of questions that we want to ask him about the book. Uh, so we'll be right back. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization, where there's Catholic Radio. The folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello, and we are way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network with Paul George. We're discussing his new book, Holy Grit, uh, that's available at Ave Maria Press. Joe Racinello, where do you want to get started? I want to explore the idea of prayer that Paul talked about, and I want to relate it to sports. Um, anyone who's played sports, whether you played basketball, whether you wrestled, whether you played football, whether you're a runner— you know that you have to train, whether you like it or not, when you don't feel like it or when you feel like it, because you're not going to compete at the highest level unless you do. Well, the same thing goes for prayer. Prayer isn't just like before you go to bed, say, bless me, Father, pray for my kids, pray for my wife. I'm exhausted. I'm going to pass out. That's not that. That's a prayer. But prayer is getting into a regiment. Why do I say that? Because when you do something the same time every day, that's why if you ever look at religious life, they give their schedule, their daily schedule. What's helped me, because I am a very regimented person just by nature, um, I do things at certain times every day. I get up. I read the Magnificat. I pray the Divine Mercy Chaplain. I drop my kids off at school. I go to Mass. I go to work. I come home, 
I read the gospel at the table. It's not easy. Many times it turns into a circus. I got little kids. I pray the rosary with my wife. Before I go to sleep, I go to bed. Do I do them perfectly? No. Am I distracted? Yes. Am I flawed? Yes. But there's grace there. And because I do it every single day, at that time, it gets done. Talk about that. Because I think that people like will say, like, I want to do this. But if you don't, like, it's like the way I am. If I don't write it down in the book, like for this show, it doesn't happen. Got to write it down. It, like if you say at noon, everything drops. We pray the rosary. It gets done. If not, the rosary's not getting done because the world, the, you know, talk about that. You know the deal. You have five kids. <laughs> you know the deal. Tell us. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why they call them spiritual disciplines. I mean, they, they should be disciplined into our life, the spiritual life. And and how do they become that way? Well, we have to be disciplined in making them disciplined. You know, so you want to grow your prayer life. You have to have a time and a place to do that. You got to pick that time, that place, and what you're going to do and, and try to be consistent in that way, right? So if you wake up early in the morning before your family gets up, do it. Like, just start building that discipline. Uh, and if you don't do it at all, just try to do one or two times a week until you can start slowly building that you know, spiritual muscle, you know, um, you know, the more reps you have in sports, the better you get at it, that your jump shot gets better, your swing gets better, your whatever it is that you're working on gets better. And it's interesting for us as men is we can be disciplined and work in so many areas of our life, right? We can be disciplined in work, we can be disciplined with our finances, or like our hobbies, in the spiritual life, like, why are we not discipline like why don't we use that same effort there and if we would move our grit and our discipline into our spiritual life it would really move us forward uh and so it's not it's not complicated uh but I'm we glad must you do said it. that because it isn't like that's the beauty right. of being catholic like and i'll, I'll be honest with you I, 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 my family are simple people like my grandfather worked at a warehouse, came from Italy. My father was a barber. Like I went to college, but to be honest with you, I don't live a fancy life because I got a lot of kids and I live in a small house and I'm trying to live. <laughs> but like, you know, like it, you don't have to go to the Gregorian to, to do it. It's simple stuff, Paul. I mean, anyone could do it. If I could do it, anyone could do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, like this isn't complicated. I'm just a normal guy, too. Like I'm married, kids that wake up in the morning to read my scripture or read the, the daily mass readings and say a rosary, whatever it is. But this is the beauty of the church is that uh, we don't have to go looking for what to do. Like it, it, all the history and all the beauty of the church is at our fingertips. And so we just have to engage into the life of the church and build the discipline in our life to do that. You know? Well, I think you would agree that we all uh, have a desire for the good. The good, the true, and the beautiful. Okay, but obviously, part of our our fallen nature is that we reject those things. Okay, we 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 slap them away. We know they're there. We have a desire for it, but when they're staring us in the face, we 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 kind of slap it away. Talk about the, the desire to to obtain that grit, the desire to to become um, the authentic the authentic man we're, we're all meant to be because a lot of times it's what happens. Sometimes it's our own fault. Sometimes it's the world. Most of the time it's a combination of the two. 
talking about the need to to foster that desire, but then make a make a decision that you're going to move forward and pursue the good, the true, and the beautiful, which we know is Christ. Yeah, I mean, desires go nowhere unless we make a decision about it. Like, and that's the thing is like we we all desire beauty and truth and goodness. We desire to be good man. Uh, there's not one guy I'd ever talk to on the planet and be like, hey, wh what do you dream about when you grow up? They're like, I'd love to be in prison. I'd love to be a murderer. Like, no one says that. You know, like everyone, you know, everyone desires to be a good person, to be, um, you know, to, to do good things in their life. Not everyone gets there. Why? Because, like, desire doesn't move unless you make a decision to move forward. Right. This is where the beauty of God's grace can move us forward into making better decisions, more uh, more godly decisions. So what are some things that you're facing as a man that you just have been lazy about? You've just you're like, I want to overcome this obstacle. Maybe it's a certain discipline. Maybe it's some, uh, you know, conflict in your marriage. Maybe it's you haven't engaged with your kids or your adult kids or maybe your career path. God gives us the grace to start making those decisions. So our desires begin to become a reality. And that's what I've learned so much as a, as a man is I got to surround myself by other men, by the church and by these great saints so that I know the path for moving forward because left to my own devices, I'm done. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that that's the biggest thing I, I would say, obviously the, the primary need is Christ and, and, and his grace. Uh, but I, that's why I said before, that's why I'm glad you're doing what you're doing, like writing a book like Holy Grit, available at Ave Maria Press. If you're just joining us, Paul George, the author, is with us here doing what Joe and I are doing. Listen, everybody, anybody could look at a successful football team and say, I really love, I would love to be on that team, but you can't. You're, you're, not, you're not physically capable, okay? Um, you'd really love to play in that game. Well, the greatest game is the game of your own salvation. And the good news is you could be on that team. Okay, that team's easy to do. In fact, nobody gets cut from that team. All right, unless you choose to get cut, you can only cut yourself from that team. And yeah. I think that's great that this is what we're doing. Is is I'm, I hope that a lot of guys out there understand you're a regular guy, Joe's a regular guy. I'm a re we're regular, regular people who have that desire for the good, the true, and the beautiful. All of us with our own problems, all of us with hurdles in our lives, and having to overcome them. But nonetheless, as we said earlier, continuing to move. Forward, Joe Resinello. I want to talk about wounds because I think a lot of guys don't like to admit that. You know, um, I wasn't always a practicing Catholic. I came into my faith at 22. So, but I have a lot of friends to this day that I had before I was 22. Um, I always say sometimes, just go to confession. You'll feel better. But why they don't understand the reality of God. God is the divine physician. Like I can remember, I'll use this analogy and then I'll turn it over to you, Paul. Like when I was a kid, I used to drive my big wheel down the street and I used to love my big wheel and I would ride down the street and I'd wipe You're showing out. your age. Yeah. Showing your age. And I'd wipe out and my knees would get all cut up and my mother and I'd hold my knee and my mother would be like, show me your knee. And I'd be like, I don't want to. And then she'd open my hands and then she'd help me. Well, we're like that as guys. We hurt ourselves, and then we don't want to show our wounds. Well, our mother is the church, and Christ is the divine physician. And when we open ourselves to the church, i.e. through a priest in confession, we heal. 
Because we can't help others when we are, when we need the help. We got to help ourselves first. Talk about that because guys don't want to do it. No. I mean, not only is Christ the divine physician, but the church is the infirmary that we go to to be healed. That's the beauty of it, you know? Uh, one of the chapters of St. Ignatius, uh, his life, like he was hit by a cannonball wound and ended up in an infirmary. He was a pagan. He wasn't he, he wasn't a godly man. And it was in the infirmary where he began to read a Bible and books of the saints that were just on his bedside table. And his conversion took place by reading the life of Christ and these saints, right, in, in an infirmary. And, and so, like, he was healed physically and spiritually. Right? And that's the beauty of Christ is that he can heal our physical wounds, he can heal our emotional wounds, and our spiritual wounds. So the place that we're, we're called to, to, to anchor and to go is the church, which is the infirmary. You know, when I went back to confession as a young adult, I was scared to death. I mean, I was much more bolder to put on a football helmet and run through a line of scrimmage, get a concussion, than I was to go into a confessional booth. I was a big, fat baby compared, and I finally went in. And I was like, man, that, that wasn't so bad. That Like, wow. That, I mean, I just felt the peace and the grace. And I finally just got the courage to go, right? The grace to just walk in there. And all I experienced was the healing and the grace from it. Paul George, let me ask you this. We, we're, we're talking about saints. We're talking about great saints that are in your book, um, Holy Grit. Uh, let's, let's talk about, because I think it's very important to say we have models. I think the greatest model, this is not a shocking statement to anybody out there, is St. Joseph, okay? And one of the reasons why the thing that strikes a lot of people strikes me about St. Joseph is that he does not say one word in Scripture. Yet, outside of Christ, he's the greatest man in Scripture, okay? Because you talk about overcoming adversity. You talk about having to explain or marry Mary. Rather than divorce her, and that and that whole story when she's pregnant, you talk about having to pick up his family and go to Egypt because the angel told him to. It's like Joe and I say on the show all the time. It's like, why did say Joseph? He, he pulled the Forrest Gump. Why did Gump put? Do all these things, and the thing is, we don't have any words. We don't know any words from Saint Joseph, and yet we just know that he did them. And yet we also know, intuitively, we know just how great he was, just how great he is. Talk about how men could really be strengthened by the intercession of St. Joseph. Father, Father Don Calloway wrote a book on it, all right? And, yeah. and, and he's, he out, he's out there, and many of him primarily, but many people talk about, listen, get right with St. Joseph, because he's, he's the man that can really help you get closer to Christ. We have Our Lady, but we're talking about men. We need the man to get us close to the real man, Jesus. Talk about St. Joseph. I kind of like that the scripture doesn't have him talking at all. God speaks to him, and he does exactly what God says. And I, I, I love it because it, it, he's simple, and I learned so much from that. Like if, if, if I could just listen to God and do what he says, I would have the life of St. Joseph. I mean, that, like that is how simple it is. I begin the book with him because I think who, who's the, the model for us to begin with? It's St. Joseph. And his simplicity of loving his family and his child and doing what God says, it, it, even when it was difficult, take this woman who's pregnant and you don't know why, uh, take her to Bethlehem, flee into Egypt, go back into Nazareth. He just did what God said simply. Uh, and it's beautiful. 
And then I thought, who's who's the book in on the other side, the last chapter, a modern day St. Joseph for us that um, we got to witness and see. And that St. John Paul the Great, I thought was a great modern day St. Joseph for us. Um, a beautiful example of just saying yes to God and doing his will. Absolutely. Joe Racinello. I want to talk about Catholic marriage. I mean, ultimately, um, you have to have a goal for your marriage. I used to like speak at pre-Cana uh, meetings in my parish. And like, I would always say, what's the goal for your marriage? And people have all types of ideas. The goal, in my view, as a Catholic man, is to get my wife, my kids, and me to heaven. Her goal is to get me to heaven. And that's quite a task. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's the goal. I mean, talk about that, because I think people in America have lots of goals for their marriage. They want to have the retirement home. They want to, like, you know, go travel. They want, But that's not the goal. <laughs> the goal is to get to heaven. And the thing is, I think a lot of people think you just get into heaven. Now, we don't earn heaven. God gives it to us. But there's there is a certain criteria. You got to you got to play the game the way God tells you to talk about that, uh, because I think we're missing it. <laughs> well, the goal of marriage, you know, is yes, that's it. I mean, what is, what other goal is there? The unity with your spouse and to help lead them to heaven. Um I think for us as men, like we, we love setting goals. I love setting goals. They're important for us. We have to have something to focus on, but the goal of marriage is not retirement. The goal of marriage is not even happiness. The goal of marriage is unity, unity with each other and unity with Christ. And when we have that, we are happy. We're, we have a joy filled marriage, but ultimately at the end of the day, uh, it's leading, helping to lead my family to heaven. You know, my, my legacy and yours is not going to be whether or not you left your family a great retirement fund. It's going to be whether or not you left them the deposit of faith. That's what they're going to speak about you at your funeral. And every, every man wants to be spoken about greatly. But what's your legacy going to be in regards to that? Is it going to be a spiritual legacy or just, you know, a physical one? Yeah. Paul, let's talk about freedom for a second, Okay. Now, I'm just going to give an example from my own life, okay? As Joe mentioned, I'm married. I have a foster son. Say a prayer that the legal things go through, and he's adopted over the next six months or so. Um, he is our son, in effect, but you know, you know what I'm saying. So there's a routine, as we've been talking about. All right? You wake up. You got to do this. You got to do that. Got to take care of the wife. You got to take care of the kids. Got to go to work. Got to pray. Uh, get to mass. Do all these things, okay? And then I lived 20 years of my life as uh, a libertine. Let's, let's let, let me let me use that word, okay? Now here's what I know, and I this is where I'm going with this, and I want your comments on authentic freedom. I am truly free now. I am in every sense of the word. I am truly free. That 20 years of my life, I was an absolute slave. Talk about that, Paul George. Scripture talks about being slave to sin. You know, uh, enslaved to to the world, to our being in bondage. I mean, this is, you know, Christ comes to offer freedom, freedom from what? Sin, from bondage, uh, you know, our, our own even thoughts and, and past. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, freedom, I mean, if you could define like, 
freedom, uh, you know, in a sense of like this idea that my heart is set free to love fully, to serve fully, to give myself fully, to not wonder that uh, my life is is has meaning somewhere else in something else. And this is why guys seek out so many things and they end up in worse bondage uh, than they were before. Um, but when you're set free in Christ, for Christ sets us free, uh, we are free indeed, Scripture says. Then we can just walk and not worry. We can live freely in the daily activities and daily life, our vocation every day. Well, isn't that the thing, Paul? To, to, to be able to 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 not not fear really fear anything, not to be addicted to anything. Um, and it, we have a culture. Okay. Uh, again, we know it's a spiritual battle, but cult, culture war. Okay. Um, where again, the father of lies basically says, you know, you want to be free, you got to get away from God. Whereas, as you said, but but Jesus, who is the truth, says, no, no, no. If you want to be free, listen to me. Okay. And 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 the problem is we 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 keep falling in. Now again, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, as we mentioned earlier, we're immersed in this. Through the music industry, the movie industry, uh, all of it, okay, news media, we, we, uh, the advertising industry, we're immersed in it. But when when you're acting or at least trying to live that authentic freedom as a man, as we are all trying to do, then guess what? All that stuff has such less and less and less allure. You're just not attracted to it because you know the emptiness of it. Am I correct in that, Paul? Absolutely. I mean, and if, we, if you would define what is toxic masculinity, it's being in bondage by our sin. And when we're in bondage by our sin, we live out of this toxic masculinity. We use other people. We abuse things. We use women. We look at them objectively. This is toxic masculinity. This is why the culture is constantly, you know, throwing this out there because men who are in bondage, and we've all been there in some way, shape, or form, uh, when we are, live out our masculinity in bondage, it becomes toxic to the world. It becomes toxic to our families. We don't sacrifice and love and give of ourselves. Uh, we don't look out for the best of others, but we look at the best for ourselves, and we're trying to feed this narcissist inside of us. And I, I would make one more comment, then I'm going to hand it over to Joe. We have a few minutes left, is that um, men always worried about how women perceive them. A real woman, a good woman, is not does not respect the man who gives into his passions just with without a fight. I'm sorry, okay. I I, I just I know that to be true. Real women l are really attracted to men who are in control of their passions. You know, and I think that's something that we have to emphasize to men out there, particularly young men. Don't think don't think. That you being a slave to your passions is going to attract a real woman who's going to be good for you. Because that ain't going to happen. You have to act in the opposite way. Joe Resinello. We talked about marriage uh, with regard to our spouse. Let's talk about our kids. Setting priorities. We, we live in a competitive world. You know, moms and dads, they want their kids to get great grades. Very important. They want their kids to play sports. It's important. They want their kids... To have friends, very important. Ultimately, the most important thing is to pass on your faith. You talked about a legacy. I look at that as the most important thing, and I mean it. I would rather have my kid do the simplest of jobs but be a practicing Catholic, and I'll be proud as hell. It's part of my language, but I would be. I'd be proud 
because that's going to guide every single one of their decisions, who they marry, how they handle their finances, the choices they make, who their friends are. But we don't act like that. We prior taught, again, I'm not knocking getting good grades. I got good grades. I, I mean, I'm going to be honest, but that's not the most important thing. I'm not knocking sports. I played sports, but that's not the most important thing. And I'll tell you one story and I'll turn it over to you. It was Good Friday. It's three quarter to three. I'm driving my family to church. And there's a little league practice going on. I wanted to stop the minivan because I'm a crazy person from New Jersey. I wanted to stop the minivan, stand on the roof of the car and be like, you're practicing baseball. It's three o'clock on Good Friday. What's up with that? I mean, that's, you know, it probably wouldn't happen where you're at in Louisiana. It's a different place <laughs> than it is in Jersey. <laughs> but I mean, like, like, because you guys, to be honest with you, in Cajun country, you're faithful people. God bless you. And that's the truth. Talk about setting that priority because it's the most important thing that you can give your kids. Yeah. And it's honestly the, it's living it simply every day and modeling it for your children, not forcing it down their throat. It's just modeling it and bringing them along with you and allowing them to have their own experience of Christ in the church. We just, my wife and I just celebrated this week, our 26th year uh, married. Our oldest daughter's getting married next week. And uh, uh, one of our daughters wrote us a little anniversary letter and uh, I was like, well, that, that's cute. So we read the letter. I mean, and I'm almost in tears. And they, what she mentioned in there is she just said, you know, I have these images growing up of you and mom early in the morning, sitting in your different chairs, praying. And that, to me, taught me everything I needed to know about my relationship with Christ. And I thought to myself, wow, I didn't even know. I didn't, we were, I didn't even know she saw that. But that was what she was just kind of you know learn and absorbed and and now that she's a, a young adult it's just part of her life and i just thought how beautiful is that because i didn't mean that it just was part of like how we lived and it taught her the importance of prayer and a relationship with christ that's awesome so if you're just joining us here uh we're, uh, we're with Paul George at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We're discussing his new book, Holy Grit. It's available at Ave Maria Press. Paul, real quick, we only have a couple minutes left. I want you to talk about this. Uh, the mirror, looking in the mirror, all right? We all, I don't care who you are, okay? I don't care how immersed you are in all, like whatever kind of life you're leading. Everybody knows when they're not on the right path. Everybody knows it, but that requires... To do something about it requires you to look in the mirror, meaning you have to confront yourself. Talk about having to have grit, to, to be able to look at your own self and say, I do it all the time, okay, because there's a lot to look at. And I'm like, you know, got to do this right, got to do that right. I'm, I'm not afraid of it anymore, but I remember there was a time in my life I didn't want to see myself. I didn't want to see my sins. I didn't want to confront myself. Now I do, okay, and it's made me a better man. And obviously, I'm not where I need to be, but we all are moving forward. Talk about overcoming the fear to look at yourself in the mirror and to confront yourselves on the things that you are not doing right. Yeah, I mean, when we when we live in shame and sin, we hide ourselves. We hide from our own self and we hide from others. This is what we do as men. The importance of looking in the mirror is, I would say, don't do that alone. You know, one of the greatest epidemics I was reading about today is loneliness among adult men. 
loneliness, isolation. It's actually the third leading cause of death among adult men is loneliness. This idea of just isolating themselves and it, it's it's a sad reality. Um, but you know, for me, I need other men in my life to to help me look in the mirror, to be a mirror for me, to say, hey, you can do better, you can be better. Um, because none of us are called as men to do this alone. We're, we're called to be in fellowship, not only with our family, our spouses, but with other men uh, to be the, you know, the men that God calls us to be, you know? And so when I don't want to look at something, I might need a friend to help me look at it. Be like, hey, man, you can do better. You can be better. And and I, and 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 that's really important, I think, to to leave our audience with is I, when I was in Jersey. I'm from New Jersey. I'm not there anymore. But Joe had started a a men's rosary group that goes to the first of the month, goes to different parishes throughout the northern Jersey there in Bergen County. Good men. And when you look at them, we look at each other. We say, hey, these guys look look like us. We all have the same problems. We're all overcoming the same hurdles. We're all fighting to get to heaven. And it's a great, great experience. All right. And I've experienced gut. Thank God. I've experienced that here in Arizona. Because uh, I've met very good men here, same type of thing. Guys who go down and pray in front of uh, Planned Parenthood down here in in Phoenix. Uh, it's the same type of thing. I think a good place to end is with, hey guys, get out there, get involved in your parishes, and start to make friendships with other Catholic men. All right, who have the same goals, who have the same worldview, um, who have the same desires. Okay, because that could be, as you mentioned, Paul George, very very helpful. Paul, one more time. Uh, where can our audience buy the book in any social media and any of that fun stuff that you might have? Yeah, Ave Maria Press, holygrit.org. Social media is Paul George II. Uh, so you can find me anywhere on the socials, uh, but they should be able to find the book or whatever. Paul George, thanks for joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. I think this goes without saying. Uh, you are welcome back on this program anytime, our brother. Yeah, absolutely. Love your your show. This is fun. Let's do it again. You guys are rocking. I told you we were going to have fun for an hour. So thanks, Paul. We really appreciate it, brother. And we look forward to speaking to you in the future. Thank you all out there for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Two things, download the app, share it with your friends. We are an EWTN affiliate, so you have original programming and you have EWTN content. And wherever you see Joe and I on social media, hit a like, a subscribe, a share, follow on Twitter, do all that fun stuff. Help us out. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.